Hello and welcome to Food Systems, a podcast from the Forum for the Future of Agriculture, where we discuss ideas that can shape a sustainable food system, from farm to fork, from policy to consumers, and everything in between. I'm your host, Robert DeGraff, and you can find us on Twitter at Forum for Ag. These episodes will be available every other week on all major podcast platforms. Before we get started, we would like to say a quick thank you to the FFA founding partners, the European Landowners Organization and Syngenta, as well as the FFA strategic partners, Cargill, the Nature Conservancy, Thought for Food and the World Wildlife Fund. Please enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to Food Systems. Today is a different episode. We're going to be talking about what the Forum for the Future of Agriculture will be doing in the next 12 months. I'm pleased to join by my colleagues, uh, Caroline Ma. She's the Program Director at FFA. Caroline, thank you for the second time, our first return guest. Thanks, Robert. And we're also joined by Mark Titterington. He's one of the co-founders of the FFA itself and now one of its senior advisors. Mark, thank you for joining us. Great to be with you, Robert. Thank you. Um, before we start really looking forward, I want to look back a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about the impact that COVID-19 has had on the organization and also the events that have been organized in the last two years and what lessons you've learned from that? So what we have seen is just like that the forum has moved on just like many other um, organizations as well and picked up the, the virtual organization and the, the online format for events. So we have seen and we have successfully managed to deliver three weeks of fully virtual events this year in March. Um, This represented a series of 14 sessions covering solutions, policy and the annual conference. Um, This represents more than 3000 participants that attended the three weeks program. And we had about 90 countries that were present and 100 speakers from across the world who contributed to the debates. The biggest innovation probably was the creation of a virtual venue, a virtual platform, where participants could freely interact among each other. Um, They could download recipes for sustainable cooking or discover 20 virtual exhibition stands. And there was even one virtual tractor And um, there was also the opportunity to download uh, supporting material. So normally the reports you would pick up, you know, um, printed reports you would pick up at the conference. Well, there you could just put it directly on your device and and download it. And the feedbacks we received from from attendees was was beyond expectations, to be honest. Um, So we are really incredibly grateful for to the tremendous work done by our teams and and the support we received from, from the forum's partners. I think, as you say, Caroline, um, you know, we've discussed it before, 3000 participants uh, across the three week month of March program was it was incredible. Um, but I would say for me, Robert, the, um, the the big thing was the way that we were able to extend our, our reach virtually, obviously, across the, the world and bring in speakers from um, very different backgrounds, very different countries, um, very different perspectives on this topic of food and agriculture system renewal. Um, something that I think we would have um, struggled to do had we continued in the um, in the completely physical setting of the the way that the program has run before. 
And when you step back and you think about our mission of creating space where new ideas and thinking can emerge to contribute to food and, and agriculture system and renewal, being able to bring in those different perspectives, I think has really helped to accelerate us on our journey. Mark, maybe I'll start this uh, with you. We're now easily more than a decade into the FFA's founding mission, which still holds to combine food and agricultural security, that those two cannot be separated. Do you think that if you, as you look at the food system now, are we closer than 10 years ago or are we treading water in us? I mean, I'm an optimist, Robert. Um, I think you know that. Um, you know, I think when we started, the, as you say, the, the, the objective really was to show that agriculture and the environment were, were inextricably linked. You couldn't pull them apart. Um, and I think we, we made a lot of progress in the early years of the forum of, of building a consensus around that. And then I think over the last couple of years, as we've expanded the partnerships um, to bring in different representatives of civil society, um, the industry, growers at the growers and land managers at the at the center, along with the policymakers, we've been able to expand that mission. And, and we started to look, as you know, at how we make the system more resilient and more sustainable, how the system can contribute to um, mitigating the effects of climate change. Um, and I'm, I, I really am encouraged by the, um, the ideas and the thinking that one starts to see emerge from that, whether it's in the frame of regenerative agriculture, you know, carbon farming, how we engage consumers better in terms of understanding where the, the, where the food is coming from, how we reward and incentivize growers to, to deliver these public goods. I do think that we're in a better position than, than what we've ever been. Um, moving not just beyond consensus, but now thinking about the practical ideas that we can take forward. Um, however, I think there's a lot of work to be done. Um, we, there's there's a, a proliferation of ideas and thinking out there, and we have to turn these into practical, implementable um, approaches that, um, that can really deliver the progress that we want. Well, I would agree with you that there's some measure of progress, but if you look at the latest IPCC report, which quite frankly, I thought was harrowing reading, commitments made in Paris, to limit global warming, for example. Uh, how much more time do you think ideas, these new ideas will have to gestate before, as you say, they do go on the field and they become an alive thing that actually contributes not just to the climate, but also to broader uh, sustainability goals? Look, I mean, I don't want to diminish the the urgency of what, what we've got. Yesterday would have been better than today, but today is definitely better than, than, than tomorrow. Um, the most important thing I think in, in all of this is, is that the approaches and the ideas that we come up with, they have to be practical, they have to be implementable, and they have to be real. Um, and I think it's important that we do take the time to make sure that, that, that those three elements are truly in place and that then we've got the rewards that uh, need to go into the system to, to support the actors in terms of uh, taking that forward. I absolutely get the urgency there's no question about that um but it's important that we do it right because we can't afford to fail beyond just what will appear on the ffa's agenda in the coming months what global or european policy items do you see as the most critical uh, in the coming 12 months i think from my perspective uh, robert and, and caroline will no doubt want to, to contribute here when i when i look at this from a european perspective i, I think um you know, working out what, what are the elements in, in the farm to fork strategy and the biodiversity strategy in particular are, are critical elements in this from a European perspective. 
Um, I think the fit for 55 package um, and particularly, you know, the focus on on what the land use sector can and needs to get done and how it's supported. And that um, is something that is 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 certainly close to the top of, of my agenda and I think the top of the um, of, of the forum's agenda. And I think linked to that, um, you know, particularly when you look at areas like regenerative agriculture, carbon farming, you know, the setting some of the standards around that, that's going to require international cooperation and interaction between both public and private sectors if we want to make the progress that, um, that, that we can. So I think all those elements for me um, are very much on the agenda, looking at that both from a European perspective and indeed a, a Europe out to the world. Yes, that's quite right, Mark. I mean, that's what I would also emphasize here, and that's really my, my personal opinion here is, um, is the impact of, of the whole EU policy packages that we are now addressing, um, how this will affect, you know, third countries and, and even the relations we have with, uh, with, with other um, continents of this world. So that is where I really see here um, a focus point. And again, I mean, very personal opinion here is, it's, I, I think we should also look into the true costs of food and how we should perhaps integrate the price of natural resources more accurately. So that is something I think we are um, aiming towards that direction. But of course, it's a very difficult topic um, to address. Staying on the international scene, one of the things that the FFA 2022 will aim to do is to provide more connections between the US and European policymakers. However, if you've seen the last two weeks or the last week's diplomatic row over the sale of submarines to the Australia, the not very well communicated withdrawal from the theater of operations in Afghanistan. One doesn't really get the feeling that the Biden administration's focus is European co cooperation. How do you see this progressing, especially when you're talking about things like sustainability? Look, I, I, Robert, I mean, I think that the, the transatlantic agenda in, in the space of food and agriculture and, and how that ex extends into um, the realm of sustainability and, and particularly action on the climate is, is something that, that transcends um, different administrations. It's, it, 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 it comes from the past, but it also needs to project into the future. The forum over the past um, couple of years has worked very hard to create, again, the space um, for the United States and the European Union to interact, whether that's at federal level, presidential uh, level, um, uh, whether it's uh, through members of Congress, whether it's at the state level or, or the cities, um, in an attempt to generate that dialogue and interaction where that new thinking and ideas and sharing of best practices um, can emerge. And, and, and so this isn't a new thing for the forum. It's actually building on what, what we've done um, for the past couple of years. And, and, and I am optimistic in this area, Robert. Um, you know, I think starting with, um, with the exchange that we had with former Agriculture Secretary um, Sonny Perdue last year when he, he was visiting Belgium um, to, to, to new Secretary of um, uh, Agriculture for the United States, Tom Vilsat, this March. Um, there is a lot of um, willingness and openness um, to forge a new partnership, I think, that can be forward-looking at the areas where transatlantic cooperation on food, agriculture, and the climate um, can, um, can can progress. Now, we're not saying that, that we have all the answers in the forum or, or the forum is the only place where these things can emerge. But I think with our partnership with the Chicago Council, some other partnerships that we're looking at, um, clearly with our existing strategic partners like um, uh, the Nature Conservancy, WWF, IUCN, our corporate members, 
numbers that go across the boundaries, uh, we think that we can get a lot of mileage out of this uh, transatlantic partnership and make the contribution in terms of ideas and thinking that um, will be critical for us going forward. Yes, Robert, and if you don't mind, I would just here insist also on one point that's obviously like important to, to us um, in the framework of the forum is we see there really an interest um, to increase and strengthen the networks of young entrepreneurs and, and young leaders from both sides of the Atlantic. And I believe that this is where, again, the forum is going to put more efforts in through the partners we have and the partnerships that we are putting in place um, to increase, again, the exchange. And another element, obviously, what Mark has mentioned earlier, I mean, the increasing trend of regenerative agriculture on both sides and not without mentioning carbon farming, they, I believe that the connection will inevitably be established with or without the administration. What other areas do you have in mind? Regenerative agriculture being one, I mean, climate change, of course, being the, the major one. But are there any specific policy areas that either of you feel that's where the US and the EU should do more? I think we've 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 always thought that not necessarily fighting the the, the battles of yesterday yesteryear, but there are areas, um, particularly in terms of research and innovation, um, both uh, in terms of collaboration between universities um, on both sides of the Atlantic, as as well as uh, the companies themselves, um, that we could and should be we should be looking at. Um, these are two incredible um, economic powerhouses with a huge amount of expertise, experience, ideas, uh, thinking that um, putting them together, I think, can be genuinely a force for, for good in the world. Um, I think the other area is is the, where we've looked at in the past is what is the, the collaboration between the EU and the United States, particularly in the area of international development and lifting up uh, countries that, um, that are developing and need assistance in terms of the development of their food and agriculture systems, um, rather than playing individually, is there scope to, to play together? There may be, there may not be, um, but I think those are two areas that, that certainly come to mind um, for me. What can listeners and, and people who attend FFA events expect from the FFA in the coming 12 months? Are there any big themes or highlights, things that you already want to unveil or say that's where we're going to be in the next 12 months? Well, I think definitely, um, you know, that we, we've touched on it already, Robert, some of the um, focus on the on the EU policy agenda and what that what that means to, to, to land managers, growers, actors in the food and agriculture system in Europe is is clearly going to be um, important. We'll also be um, delving into some of the uh, the things that uh, uh, the civil society representatives and or the companies are doing and asking um, to what extent are those delivering scalable solutions that enable us to contribute to this more resilient and um, sustainable food and agriculture system? If I look, um, you know, horizontally, I think, you know, we are we're obviously going to want to, to, to push forward with the transatlantic agenda that we've that we've already talked about. Um, there are major international events happening over the next um, six months from um, uh, Convention on Biodiversity uh, to COP26 to the UN Food Systems Summit. And whatever one thinks about those those three things and um, the extent to which um, they will help to set the agenda, one of the things that the forum is going to want to do coming out of that is analyse what those things are, and what they mean for, um, for actors and stakeholders in, in Europe. 
And then I think from a programmatic basis, you know, a couple of things that that, that immediately jumped to mind for me. I'm I'm really excited about this transatlantic um, platform that we're um, putting together, and we'll be we'll be unveiling some some more information that in the coming weeks. Um, we've got the event in Paris at the beginning of December, um, anticipating the French presidency of um, of the European Union. Um, that's going to be really exciting, I think, in terms of just taking a look back at maybe UN Food Systems Summit COP26 also the EU policy agenda. And then I think as we go into next year, um, I can't wait for the return of, uh, of, of the Forum's Month of March programme. Um, we've had the first discussions about what shape that's taking. Uh, and, and I can confidently predict it will be um, even better and more impactful than it was uh, in 2021. Yes, Mark, as optimistic as always, I really enjoy that. Um, okay, some very specific topics that we will also address um, in Paris, if I may say. Uh, one key area is obviously biodiversity. I mean, um, this is really, I can't name it topic, but this is just one of the policies and um, actions on the ground that we want to address. And in, and in Paris on the 2nd of December and then in March. And another one that is coming up to my mind is sustainable trade. Um, and that is coming also really high on the agendas for everyone. So those are two little topics I can mention um, that we will address in Paris and perhaps later on also. And that's it. Mark, you just mentioned uh, already two of the big global summits this year, the UN Food System Summit and the COP26 Climate Conference. Given that the Food System Summit has already some significant uh, NGO and civil society opposition, and that if, in my view at least, if the expectations are being muted by member states everywhere in global capitals, what are your both of your expectations for these summits? Will they represent a step forward or is it are we treading water? Robert, this is a very good question and obviously you know we have been you have been working through the podcasts and we um, within the, the, the 2021 agenda of the forum we have been looking really very closely to do the UN Food System Summit and of course to COP26. Um, I mean again my personal opinion here is uh, I really expect leadership from public authorities. This is what I'm, I'm waiting for to see at the end is a, a real commitment from member states um, and it's also I really feel here that one major gap I identify at the moment is, is the willingness from politicians to take out the responsibility to address seriously climate change and this urgency of transforming the system. I mean, we're talking about it already long enough. Can we move on now? So honestly, without honest and, and truthworthy leadership, I don't see this happening. And as much as the private sector is willing to move on um, without a proper partnership, from public administration and um, the private sector, I don't think that we can achieve anything. So that is what I expect. It's, it's really kind of reinforcement and really opening up of public-private partnerships. Um, I think, as you said, Caroline, you know, one one of the things that that is really important in this is is leadership. You know, honest, trustworthy, um, substantive, courageous leadership, even. Um, and I think you know we're right to have that expectation of our our leaders, public both public and private, um, and certainly going into UN Food Systems Summit, COP twenty six, Convention on Biodiversity. That that's what one looks for. I think one also has to to consider that you know there are two things really in, in my view that um, public leaders can can do three things. Um, they can set very clear direction. Um, they can provide funding that. Um, uh, catalyzes other funders to come in 
and they can look at policy regulation standards that can either enable and accelerate pros, um, progress or can disable um, uh, progress in, in, in all of those um, all of those areas. So I, I think you know at, at the very minimum I look with with expectation, hope, and still a certain degree of confidence that we'll see that come out. Regardless of whether or not we do see that, I still think that when you bring that back down to the EU level, when you bring it back down to member states level, there is still the requirement for public and private sector leaders um, to find to, to work out ways that they can work together um, to make the progress in the areas that um, that we need to be able to do. So. Yes, let's look to these um, to these important events to set the direction, to find the money, um, to to create the the policy framework in which we can act. But let's not also put all our eggs in that basket. Um, it doesn't absolve us our responsibility, whichever levels that we work at. Caroline, I wanted to come back to your point about leadership because I think it's one that's well made. And we've started this podcast with a question about Corona, and what we've seen is that in term in times of crisis, public leadership can and does activate not just its its leading powers but also its financial powers and i was wondering it's it's for both of you why has neither the climate nor the food system really had such an impactful moment where states have said okay now enough is enough and we've opened we're opening our wallets and we're not going to say it costs too much and we don't know what to do why have we not seen that kind of extraordinary level of ambition for in the last decade it's a great question, Robert, um, and and I'm I'm not sure that there is an easy answer, um, and there's always a danger to to to, to simplify it. The, you know, the COVID crisis has um, has just been so immediate, you know, so acute, so immediately visible and impactful um, on all our lives that it it just demanded immediate action and response um, because it was right there, here and now. I think we know that. That, that climate and sustainability um, challenges take many years, decades to manifest themselves. And, and dare I say it, it's, it's, it's easier, it, it has a, a, apparently been easier to, um, to, to, to put things off till tomorrow, what ought to have been perhaps done today or yesterday. My hope coming out of um, the, the, the pandemic, and let's hope that we are coming out of the pandemic, is, is that the lessons that we will take from that are positive and constructive ones in terms of how we address that huge power that state and that leaders and states and corporations and civil society can have to get us the traction that we need on the climate crisis, um, which of course will have you know very similar, if not arguably greater, long-term impacts but it requires long-term vision and planning. As always, um, I wouldn't have been able to say it better, uh, but what I would just see here also, and that's a, maybe the difference um, to maybe a couple of, a decade ago, is that the young generation, again, the next generation is motivating itself, is, is, is really getting vocal. And that's where, again, I could see Robert here, an opportunity uh, to accelerate, you know, this need for change and this transformation. And I have the feeling it's already ongoing. Um, but like Mark has said, it is, it's not impacting enough our lives yet, at least not in Europe. 
not enough for, for, for politicians or others to take uh, immediate actions. And where we have seen immediate impact, because we have seen it, especially in the agriculture sector, um, then immediate actions have, have, have been taken. At least at the agriculture sector level, at the farmer level, I really see now a change and a, a willingness to, to, to change. How? That's always a bit of a question mark, but I think we are, we are, we are moving there. Slightly more practical and certainly after our previous topic, slightly more prosaic, but also this year the FFA will get a new look and a new design, a logo, the whole thing. Why is now being the time for this? What, what has made us, what has made the FFA make these changes now instead of last year or two years in the future? Well, we, we just felt, you know, with the, with the whole changes we've seen in the past two years, um, it was a good moment to refresh, especially when moving fully virtual. Um, so it, it's more really a kind of refresh of the visual identity of the forum than really the uh, a new a new branding. I mean, and there was obviously also the willingness to emphasize, you know, nature within the forum's messages we are trying to 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 convey, and nature for us and biodiversity yes works hand in hand. Hence, the butterfly that will become more eminent in the the logo and uh, will hopefully reflect the, this wish to give nature its true place in the sector. Coming up to the end of the podcast, and I want to ask both of you, and Caroline, for you, I know it'll be the second time, so I'm afraid when I ask for a second idea, but what for both of you is your sort of one policy or practical suggestion for a more sustainable food system? And Mark, I'll ask you to go first. Well, Robert, as you know, the uh, forum doesn't take a position on any one uh, thing or other. We try to catalyze ideas and thinking. So um, the idea that I would have is very much a personal one, and, and it revolves around ensuring that we get the standards uh, and the quality set around regenerative agriculture and carbon farming, that we provide the support that growers will need to make the transition, and that ultimately we have the fungible market that's available for both public and private sector actors to play in. I think that will help growers to deliver on the agronomic benefits, the environmental benefits and the climatic benefits and make growers very much part of the solution. Caroline? Sure. Um, I mean, yes, you, you know where my heart lies usually, um, but I have <clears throat> recently been, maybe more again for personal reasons, looking at the connection between um, you know, food consumption, food production, and then human health and impact on health in general. And, you know, I think there is this idea of the need to protect nature. This is now largely being recognized um, in order not to damage nature. You know, we are protecting ourselves on the long term. Um, and it's also the planet and ourselves. And I, I have the feeling that I would suggest now a kind of mandatory education course in schools and in economic, economic universities um, just to emphasize the impact of how food production can really yeah, impact our, our health and the ones of our children. And I feel that um, it's time now that policymakers look at really this kind of educational aspect of food production, food consumption. Because in the end of the day, it's, it's a long-term issue. Um, the longer you eat wrong foods, um, you develop really heavy disease. And I'm not just talking about diabetes. You can go much further than that. So I just feel that if we want to um, reduce the disasters 
um, not just for the nat for nature, but also for us uh, human beings, then it's time to address it now and start educating people. Um, Mark Titterington, co-founder and senior advisor of the FFA, and Caroline Ma, uh, program director of the FFA. Thank you so much for coming on Food Systems today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to an episode of Food Systems, a podcast brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. Look for us in two weeks when we release our new episode. And in the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app as well as on Twitter, at Forum Fag, for updates on this podcast, news, as well as FFA events. Please check out our website, www.forumforagriculture.com, for more great content. Thank you for listening and enjoy your day. <music>